You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Giant Splash. I'm Henry Shulman, the Giants beat reporter for the Chronicle. And in this episode, I and John Shea, the Chronicle's national baseball reporter, review the 2019 season. We talk about some pleasant surprises and disappointments and look ahead toward a huge offseason of change. Will Madison Bumgarner return? Does the front office need to be more aggressive than last season? We'll touch on these questions and many others right after this. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back. I'm Henry Shulman, the Giants beat reporter for The Chronicle. I'm here with Chronicle National Baseball writer, John Shea, I don't think we've... Have we done a podcast together, just you and me? We've done a lot of things together. I don't believe we've done a podcast. Well, no, I I, I don't think having a couple of pops oh. uh, down the street is considered a podcast. <laughs> As we speak, we are not popping. No, we are actually getting ready for the penultimate game of the 2019 season. And, you know, the Giants are going to be a few games under 500. It's going to be a marginal improvement from last year. I mean, what do you just think of this season as a whole? A uh, strange season, uh, a farewell farewell tour for the manager, uh, the incoming president of baseball ops, and players coming and going. What sixty four players, I think, in all. I, and now I know what it's uh, like to cover an NFL team where they have sixty four players every day. But in this case, o- over the course of a season, it, it's been amazing uh, from the opening day lineup until now. I mean, there's very few common denominators. Uh, obviously, I think what you have to look at is uh, the kid, Mike Yastrzemski, who was probably one of the biggest stories of the year, uh, beyond Bochy, beyond Posey, and, and all the other big storylines. Uh, just a wonderful player who is athletic and can, th- can throw and can defend in right field here, which is very tough. And uh, kind of an old school ball player that Bochy would love to have long term, but won't. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll both be together with the Padres uh, in a couple. <laughs> Couple of years, you know. I mean, I look, I look at Yastrzemski as a real interesting kind of offshoot of this season. Just like you were talking about, I don't. I know that Connor Joe and Michael Reed started in the corners on opening day. I couldn't even tell you who the opening day center fielder was off the top of my head. Whether it was, I, I really don't. Duggar, Stephen Duggar, Stephen Duggar, or somebody else. But um, Yastrzemski is, uh, he, like you said, I mean, they have sixty-four players on the team, and a lot of this year was going to be Farhan Zaidi pulling in a bunch of players that I think uh, he and his team have liked, both from a scouting and analytics point of view. And, uh, you know, this was the year. This was uh, sort of like a, a laboratory year where you throw them out there against Major League Pitching, 
and see what they can do. And, and a lot of these guys had the the strike zone awareness, which is a big deal for, for Zaidi, controlling the strike zone. But as we've seen with a guy like Michael Gerber, just because you can command the strike zone uh, doesn't mean you can hit. I mean, you have to be able to do something with that two-in-one two pitch and the, the three-in-one pitch. And, and this is what I think about, <clears throat> it's what I've th- been thinking about Yastrzemski. I mean, he came up here with the strike zone awareness that a lot of these other guys have, but he knows what to do with that 3-2 pitch or the 2-1 pitch. And it's stunning to me that the Baltimore Orioles could not even give him an at-bat after six years in the minors. Uh, in fact, I just spoke with somebody uh, minutes ago who told me that the reason, a reason the Orioles gave up on him was they considered him as a fourth outfielder now. And for a team that's trying to evolve with young players and rebuild, a guy who's 28 has no room on a team that's uh, as a fourth outfielder. So they let him go and probably not at all aware of his capabilities. Um, and, and and by the way, a fourth outfielder on the minor league team, not necessarily a fourth outfielder on a major league team. So that's what the Orioles, I mean, a, a total misrepresented uh, representation of, of who he really is. Uh, uh, and it, just the maturity, it just seems... Uh, odd. I mean, you know, he has the genes and the family and the grandfather who's in the Hall of Fame, but he just comes here as an accomplished player. It's it's really bizarre. The guy who's 28 was never given a shot anywhere else, and suddenly as a rookie, one of the best rookies the Giants have had, what, more home runs than, since, what, Dave Kingman in 71 or whatever the stat is, and uh, plus he's fun to watch, and when you talk to him, he's he, he uh, he's never too high, never too low, just just uh, even keel kind of guy, and nothing really excites him. Uh, a big hit, a big home run, and you look at him, he's 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 not like overexcited in any of these interviews, and it's kind of been a pleasure to cover the guy. It really has, and I mean that really helped him in Boston because that really was a. Um um, a cluster something. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, he was able to put it all aside and hit a home run in that first game. Uh, you know, maybe we should talk about the guy who plays next to him in the outfielder, the guy who got the uh, Willie Mack award on, on Friday night, Kevin Pillar. I mean, did you see 21 homers, 88 RBIs? Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy who has uh, played in every game he's been in a Giants uniform except one? It's funny because when you spoke initially about Farhan a minute ago, you spoke about strike zone awareness and this guy will swing if the pitcher rolls it in if he throws it in at the dugout and if he throws it over the backstop he'll swing and that's not strike zone awareness that's aggressive uh you know pablo like uh, vladimir like uh, ishiro like awareness and which is fine but his on base percentage is under 300 and i'm thinking well is he the mvp of the team do you is he he's the mvp okay. of the team if he's the mvp of the team and Farhan is an on-base percentage guy and an OPS guy and a war guy. And th- this guy builds up his war, by the way, on defense, not necessarily offense. That's kind of how he had like a two or three war last year in Toronto. And it's not because he had this on-base percentage, because his on-base percentage is just usually a few points more than his batting average. And I guess he spoke after getting the award about how he would like to increase that and you know draw more walks. But that's not him. So it's going to be a huge question in the offseason. Do you bring back a guy for a lot of money because he's at the end of his life? line in um, arbitration 
Or do you look at the stats and say, no, we need guys to get on base? I, I don't know the answer. I would imagine they bring him back because, shoot, you don't get rid of the Willie Mack Award, number one, and you don't get rid of a guy who plays center field like he does and hustles and is a great example for young players. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of things that you said that kind of sparked something in my head. I heard an interview that Zaidi did on KNBR earlier in the season, and he was asked about that very question about Pilar's uh, on-base percentage. And he said that, you know, it, it he makes up for it with a Pablo-like ability to spoil pitches. I mean, he, he's a, he does hack, but for a guy who hacks, he has a lot of nine pitch at bats, eight pitch at bats, um, things like that. The other thing is that, well, something struck me from the winter meetings last year uh, where uh, Farhan, you know, when they were looking for um, bats, and uh, we were talking about, uh, I think we were talking about that guy in uh, St. Louis, uh, who's the big uh, Martinez. But there was a rumor the Giants were going to acquire him. and uh, But he wasn't a good defensive player. I mean, there's really no position. And I remember Farhan saying that... Um, you know that that uh, in in a in a case or two you can give up something that you really want for something that you really need, and uh, that's the way I feel about Pilar not having a good on base percentage. But I mean, driving in eighty eight runs on a team that's only scored like six hundred and eighty is is pretty remarkable. The defense that he plays, and um, I don't know that. Um, you know, you can replace that with who he has right now. And I mean, I think they can afford the probably what eight, nine million dollars. I think they can afford that. I, I think so. I think they have to do it. I mean, so many players are now off the books. Melanson, by the way, one of Farhan's uh, most genius moves of the year. He's up for the Nobel Prize for that one. <laughs> and no matter what he does for the Braves, and you know he's done fine um, as a closer, mostly anyway. Uh, it, amazing that sixteen million dollars just came off the book books like poof, magic, <laughs> and nobody—not uh, you, not I, not anybody—could have imagined that was even possible. If they were going to get rid of him, they would have had to eat the contract, eat most of the contract, eat half of the contract in, in some form. But instead, Atlanta inherited the entire contract. So money is off the books. I mean, Pence is gone a year later, um, and we only have one more year of Jeff Samarja, uh, two of Cueto, two of Posey, two of Belt, two of Crawford, and three of Longoria. Am I missing anybody? Um, Watson, uh, who's got a, uh, an option. So um, I, I think sooner or later they're going to realize, hey, a lot of these guys are going to come off the books. And Pilar would be a, a, a good get in terms of a, a team that's, again, next year is going to be a transition year again. It's not going to be a winning season unless they just go crazy and overspend in free agency, which I don't see coming based on this past offseason, which they, you know, they didn't give anybody a two-year contract and maybe they won't next year. Uh, their needs, uh, shoot, maybe we discuss those. I mean, the, uh, maybe across the board, um, not sure about the rotation, not sure about the lineup, and not sure about the bullpen. Well, other than that, they have it covered. I mean, I, you know, I, I personally think the rotation is, is probably the biggest need because I think they're going to have to replace – you, you have to replace Bumgarner's 200 innings with somebody. You can't just count on guys from the minors to do that. You just can't count on a Drew Pomerantz type or a Derek Holland type to do that. I actually believe that they're going to go hard after Bumgarner. Uh, and if they don't get him, uh, they'll go hard after somebody else. I don't know that it, it would be a Garrett Cole because this is a guy who's 
He's probably one of the only guy out there on the market who could probably get a $200 million contract. Now, I did hear something interesting from a, uh, a source who said that, uh, you know, Garrett Cole is interested in, in uh, would be interested in coming to the Giants. Uh, it's not Brandon Crawford. He's not. <laughs> it's not his brother-in-law. Not That's not who the affair. source. No, I don't talk to. I don't talk to Brandon about his uh, his in-laws. Um, but I mean, that would be that would be interesting. But there are some other guys on the on the market like Dallas Keuchel who who looked really good when we saw him in Atlanta. Um, you know, eight, throwing eighty-nine with movement throughout the you know and everything he does. Uh, Zach Wheeler. Uh, you know, they could swallow their pride and mm. and sign him back if he becomes a a free agent. Um, I don't know about Rick Porcel. To me, he's another maybe Drew Pomerantz type. But I, I really think they have to do something to get those 200 innings uh, to make sure they have those. Um, and uh, I, I think that takes precedence over the offense. Do you do you agree? Well, first of all, um, I, I, I don't know how to characterize, characterize Bumgarner uh, other than to say he, uh, where at once I thought that they should and you know could and actually will bring him back to you know what uh if they do it might be kershaw money 93 over three and do they want to give that to a guy who's into his 30s they're probably not going to win next year yeah he would be a good role model but in in a not win now mode uh maybe that's just too much money for farhan to give remember with the dodgers he never gave up a nine-figure. Uh, never uh, brought anybody in for for a hundred million or more. It was uh, Kershaw was the most. The only guys he gave money to were the, his own guys, um, including Kershaw. So, uh, you, you maybe the odds are against Bumgarner coming back. In my opinion, I don't know how you feel on that, but um, I, with Cueto and with Samarja coming back because they're under contract, that means there are three other spots. You bring in Bumgarner now, you're only uh, open to two spots in terms of a team rebuilding and that's not a whole lot of wiggle room to bring guys in and try them out yeah i you know to me it's not the issue just so much of uh you know who who's going to be pitching uh it's just that we've seen what happens when you have starters who can't go long distance you blow out your bullpen you have to have a constant a lot of relievers um and and actually that uh, I, I, th- I think I think that they would probably offer him the Kershaw contract. Um, on the other hand, I don't know that he would take it because mm. I mean Bumgarner knows very well what uh, Patrick Corbin made last. Uh, you know, he got that six-year what 144 million, six years 140. Uh, I my in my opinion, I think Bumgarner looks at that as a, as a baseline. But you know, interesting talking about the bullpen. What, one of the things that Farhan Zaidi wanted to do and absolutely did do this year was he turned over a roster full of guys who didn't have options, both on the pitching side and the offensive side. And if you look at the 40-man roster right now, there are a ton of guys who have minor league options and will have minor league options going into next year. So he's accomplished the one thing he he really wanted, which was flexibility. Um, And uh, this goes back to what we're talking about with the bullpen. You know, you might ride a, a guy hard, but you can send them down and there'll be somebody else who, you know, that they can bring up. Now, under the, the rules next year, uh, I think pitch, I think pitchers who go down uh, might have to be down for 15 days. I know they'll have to be on the injured list for 15 days, but he's going to have a little bit less flexibility. But do they do they go out? You know, they, they, if they if they lose Smith 
And if Watson, you know, decides to turn down his option, do they go out and spend big money on a reliever? I mean, they, you know, the Dodgers went out and, and spent all that money on Joe Kelly, um, and and it's kind of worked out toward the end. But that also kind of goes against the whole analytics thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think the mindset for a lot of these guys is bullpens and closers can be created as opposed to starters who just are, are, are born that way. I mean, you know, so many of these bullpens, relievers, uh, they come and go. And they you could be an all-star one year, look at Blake Trinan, and the next year, uh, you know, just just on the injured list or ineffective. I mean, the, the Oakland A's uh, one-two punch at the very end, Trinan and Trevino, uh, had terrible years, and now they're both hurt. And that's kind of the norm for you know unless unless you're Eckersley and and you're and you're great throughout Trevor Hoffman who you know Bochi rode to all those years in San Diego, um, but but I, I think I think I think it'll be more homegrown and getting guys off the scrap heap heap uh, guys who you do have club control over. I mean nobody manipulated uh, a roster or a bullpen like the Dodgers last year. Uh, guys were coming and going. They threw them on the the disabled list, which is now the injured list. And I I, I think that's kind of uh, on the fly uh, able to do in terms of. Um, uh, you know, building you know uh, a, a bullpen, but I think a rotation you have to you have to be more stable. You have to have a more a better plan, and I still think they need hitting. Um, I, I you know we th- we thought the world of Dickerson that first month, but injuries again. You, the man just can't stay healthy. But imagine him over 140 games. He never came close because he's always hurt. To go with uh, you know the two other outfielders we spoke about. Suddenly the outfield isn't a problem. Uh, it, it, it's funny sometimes in July we looked at that outfield and said that's the strength of the team, and we haven't said that in years. Except for except for left field, which is like uh, it's like the Spinal Tap drummers. With the one thing we haven't seen yet is a left fielder spontaneously combust so that the 143rd left fielder <laughs> since Bonds yeah. uh, can come in there. I mean, uh, it, you, I mean, this raises an interesting question, what you're talking about. Um, you know, I mean, they didn't go out and get a bat at all last yeah. year uh, in free agency or in trade until Pilar. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about in the offseason. Um, and you know, you look. You look at the what. I mean, the overall strategy is you want to kind of hold serve until Elliot Ramos gets here, until Joey Bart gets here, until Hunter Bishop gets here, to some degree, until Marco Luciano gets here. I mean, if Luciano Luciano still has a chance to be that Acuna Soto type who's up here at nineteen or twenty. So, what do you do for the team? What do you do for the fans in the interim? And, and it seems to me that they they. They could go one more year without making a huge splash on free agency or or trading away. I mean, they don't want to trade away prospects for a bat. Um, I don't think they can afford to trade away relievers for a bat right now. But, I mean, do you see – I don't see any major free agent signings this year, aside perhaps from what what I talked about, which was a number one or number two starter type. Do they want to go out and get a – um, you know, spend spend some money and get some sort of a bat for the outfield, a sure, a more of a sure thing in left field. I would say no. I think they're going to be very conservative in the off season. There's no reason. I, I think we're just kind of waiting for the Joey Bart era, like in in '09 into '10. We were waiting for the Buster Posey era. I think it's going to come next year. Even though he was hurt this year, I think he might still be in the uh, in the same timetable Buster was. Buster was uh, brought up uh, to play every day in the middle of the '10 season, which 
which was pretty much exactly two years after his draft. And if this guy is on that same uh, timetable, it would mean sometime next summer he would he would Four come up he, he would he would come up to stay. And if that's the case, um, I guess in the Arizona Fall League he's going to be playing different positions, maybe a corner here, a corner there, and. Buster, you know, in, in interviews we've had with him, said he's willing to to do whatever it takes uh, to groom the new kid because uh, Benji Molina groomed him, and he remembers how valuable that was. You know, Buster told me a funny line. He said, "Well, I'd like to be like Benji, but I would also like not to be traded during the middle of the season like <laughs> Benji was in 2010." Of course, they're not going to trade him because he signed uh, beyond next season. But but I think hey, I, if I were to guess. If they were to make a trade among one of these big guys that they move belt, they play Buster at first more, but also catch him and bring Bart in as a guy who can play uh, catcher, can play first, maybe can play third. So there's going to be like a triangle of these uh, of players playing different positions until maybe uh, opening day of 2021 when Bart is the opening day uh, catcher. And maybe Buster is at first base, and and he has his legs under him again, and he's uh, very far removed from hip surgery, and that would open the door uh, because moving belts. Um, uh, hey, we saw him move Melanson, so I guess if he can move Melanson, you can move anybody. Yeah, there's going to be a team out there who likes Belt's ability to draw walks and feels that if you put him in a stadium that's fair, he's going to be able to hit. Um, um, but as as we close it out here, I mean, it, you, you raise another interesting point. I mean, you know, he, Farhan and Andrew Friedman did a lot with the Dodgers uh, by building the team their way, but they didn't really have you know, a, a Posey, a, a Crawford, a Belt, a Longoria, guys who, um, you know, are, are really kind of looking like they're on the downside uh, with long-term contracts. So I, I guess the question is, I mean, we, do we see possibly a, a way to build the team where they can make the playoffs in 2020, or do they just have to wait until all of these contracts are either expired or um, or movable because there's only like a year left. I don't know the answer to that. It's going to be one of the first questions I ask uh, Farhan the next time I see him. It's the toughest question going right now. I'm sure he's going to tell you, Henry, that we want to be competitive next year. Uh, we want to play. We want to try to win every ball game, which is what he said this year. And it really, uh, in, in July, they, they, they were off the charts good, uh, historically good. Um, um, but but the other months they were not, and that was their demise. So I, I don't think they're going to contend. I don't think they believe they're going to contend. So I think it's going to be another transition year in which we're going to see uh, a lot more prospects come in and a lot more, uh, well, let's see what he can do guys come in, uh, uh, whether it's uh, Rule 5 guys or um, uh, DFA guys or, or just uh, uh, late uh, winter free agents uh, that can be signed on the cheap. And that's, I think, how they're going to build next year's roster. But I do think that they'll probably uh, try to get, uh, try to move one or two of these uh, big contracts, whether it's Cueto or Samarja, uh, among pitchers. And, and you know, my, my guess would be uh, would, would be belt uh, on the I, offense. I agree. I agree with you 100%. I, I just came from three games in Atlanta where I saw a real good uh, 
lineup of young talent. But then they go out and spend, I think it was $23 million on Josh Donaldson. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that's the kind of move you make when you really know you can win this year. And I don't see that as next year. I see that as 2021. And by the way, Madison Bumgarner, opening day starter for your Atlanta Braves next year? Ooh, yeah, with Will Smith closing it out. <laughs> Will Smith lives in Atlanta. He they told me. They would love to have him. Oh, they would love to have him. He and mind playing back home. No, he said he can go out back his parents' house and shoot stuff. Uh, I, I don't mean like road signs. I mean like hunting. He's, they've got land back there and whatnot. Well, listen, this was a lot of fun, John. I know you're going to be moving on. Uh, uh, we both actually might be moving on with the A's here a little bit. Uh, great, great to chat with you for a little while, and maybe we should go for a pop one of these days. <laughs> Our first pop together. That would be great. Thank you for listening. Look for more Giant Splash podcasts as this offseason unfolds and the Giants search for a new manager. Giants Double Play is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. You can support Giants Double Play and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. You can find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Hank Shulman, or you can email me at hshulman at sfchronicle.com. 